Welcome to MPT Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Wilbanks. We pray that this Word of God will bless your life and ministry increase God's blessing upon you. This is real scary. I feel way too comfortable right now in this church. Mm, go back to your seat, please. Go back. Go back. You ain't got to sit down. Please get away from here. Oh, my God, have mercy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's good to be back at Middleton Pentecostal Tabernacle. I want to give honor to God for his hand on my life. I want to give honor to your pastor and what I believe the angel of this church, your man of God and his first lady. I was just telling my dad, I say this every time I come and I'll say it every time I come till I quit coming or till I'm not allowed to come. You do not realize, can you finish it, what you have here. And I'm thankful every day for the voice of a man of God and a pastor that will stand flat-footed and preach truth. And I don't, I don't say that with any cliche. You have a first-class man of God here. And to the, all the ministry, to the worship team and the praise team. Didn't these young people just do a phenomenal job being used of God in worship and praise? I'm telling you, there's an anointing on these young people. I was telling Brother Cody Wilbanks at the front what an awesome job he had been doing with the youth. And for all the youth workers here that, that have helped, there is such an anointing on the young people in this church. I'm telling you. It's the young people that make a church a fiery church. And I am so thankful for men and women that will stand and work with our young people. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. I give honor to all you that came out tonight to be in the house of the Lord. This is the best place you could possibly be in the world tonight. Because here anything can happen. And when we're gathered together with a spirit of unity like it's in this place right now, anything can happen. The miraculous can happen right now in this place. And I believe you believe it. And I believe you've seen it. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shohak, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shohak and Azekah and Ephes Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. For just a few moments, I want to preach to you in this place about the valley of Elah. Can we lift up our hands for just a few moments? Come on, do I have some young people in this place that would just magnify the Lord in this house? Come on, do I have a young man and a young lady that is zealous about the things of God in this house? Lord, I pray right now that in this back-to-school service, God, 
God, we wouldn't limit it to just a back-to-school service. But God, that we believe, God, that this service is a divine appointment from you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that your word that goes forth will not return back unto us void. God, let your supernatural power flow. Let the word of faith be loose in this house. The working of miracles and prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. Let it be loose in this house. God, I pray, Lord, you'd send your angel, oh God, in this place to go before us and pave the way and push back the darkness and the prince of this region. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Hallelujah. There are several different things I feel to share in this service this evening. Many may seem irrelevant to you in this exact moment, but I promised you in the conclusion of this service, I believe that the Lord is going to pour out the same glory that has already fell in this place. In 1 Samuel 17... We're about to get in a very, very familiar story. I'm sure that your pastor a few times has stood behind this pulpit and has talked to you or spoke to you about something very similar about what I will speak to you tonight with. But the Bible said, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. When you see that phrase, pitched by, or they pitched their tents, that means for a moment in time and for a season that they settled in a solitary place for a purpose. So they pitched by the valley of Elah. They settled in a place. They were there for a time. They were there for a season. And the Bible says that the people of Israel settled by the valley of Elah. And if you were to break that word Elah apart, the valley of Elah, Elah, the first two letters in that word would be the prefix of God in Hebrew. So the valley of Elah literally means the valley of God. The valley of Elah belonged to the people of Judah, which would represent the people of praise. This valley wasn't a valley that belonged to the Philistines. Which if you read your Bible very much, you find out they are not circumcised. That in the Old Testament, that the Israelites were those that were circumcised. And the Philistines were not. And God chose the tool of circumcision to bring a separation between His people and the people of the world. So let's understand for just a few moments. Let me make this clear. The valley of Elah didn't belong to the world. The valley that the people of Israel were settled by didn't belong to the enemy. Could I tell you for just a few moments this morning or this evening, this wonderful night that we're here gathered today, that your valley doesn't belong to the devil. That your valley doesn't belong to the enemy. I believe that's something we should raise our hands and say, thank God. I might be in a valley, but it's my valley. I might be in a pit, but it's my pit. I might be going through a season in my life, but it don't belong to the devil. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Bible says that the people of Israel gathered together. And it said when they gathered in verse 4, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Many theologians believe his cat was nine foot tall. 
And the average Hebrew man in the Old Testament was about a staggering five foot. Talk about the odds being against David, right? But we read in this story that Goliath, he had a helmet of brass on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. It's very ironic to me that he said, you choose a man. Because in the Old Testament, it was the people of Israel that instead of asking for God to rule over them, they asked for a man to rule over them. That was a sin the world didn't even commit. They even stayed faithful to their false gods. And many, time we, uh, many times we'd rather hear through a man than hear from God. That's why we ask for sign after sign after sign. I don't know why I'm rambling on this, but I'm here to tell somebody in this place right now, this is the voice of God in your life, but I'm here to tell you something else. There's nothing like getting alone with him and you letting him speak to you for yourself. Yeah, you can hear from the man of God on Sunday, but how are you hearing from him yourself? Are you praying yourself? Aren't you walking with him for yourself? The Bible says that this giant from Gath began to stand up and defy the armies of the living God would curse the God of Israel. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I believe it was the voice of Goliath or the Philistines that represent the world. It's always the voice of the world that tries to put fear in our heart. It's always God's people in the Old Testament that would conquer regions, would conquer peoples and nations and tribes. But this one man, this one giant stood up and threw them in array and threw them and divided them. Said they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The same people that would take kingdoms and countries, villages, conquer one giant threw them in this place of fear. And I'm here to preach against that fear in just a few moments in this place. And the Bible says all throughout the Old Testament, 1st, 2nd Samuel and Psalms, we read about a man named David. Many of you know where I'm going with this. David, the Bible says, was a shepherd boy. He was one of the sons of Jesse in the runt of the litter. Just a young boy, just a young man. And the Bible says that he would be set on the back part of a pasture, tending to sheep and guiding them. But the Bible says that when Saul rebelled against God, that God sent a prophet named Samuel to the house of David. And God would anoint the next king of Israel, which was David. We read that David was a man after God's own heart. This was at David, I believe in the book of Psalms, it would say, and write this prayer he prayed before God. The Lord maketh my hands to war. 
and teaches my fingers to fight. There was something about David even from his youth. There was something in him that made him a fighter. The Bible says that he didn't. He was a run of the litter and he wasn't the favorite of the family. Many people called David. And many young people in this place I believe I'm talking to. God is teaching you the ways of the spirit. God's teaching you to fight. God's teaching you to walk in a prayer life. God's teaching you the power of consecration and being separate from the world. But yet you still feel like a black sheep. But it was this David. It was this David, this young man who many believe was only 14 years old when he stood against the giant Goliath. The Bible says that David, a young man, but a man full of zeal, ready to battle, constantly ready to fight, thinking, had war on his mind. The Bible says that he goes out to Israel and he sees all these sissies scared to death. They're afraid and they're quivering. And David goes to these men and the Bible says that David's big brother was there. Here's how I know David loved to fight. And And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why comest down hither? And with whom hast thou left those sheep in the wilderness, those few sheep? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Listen, for thou art come down that that might see us a battle. David wanted to see what was going on. He was ready to fight. Oh, you can't convince me. He didn't have that sling on that plate with that bread and that cheese and that wine. He was ready. There was something about David that was just hungry for battle. I believe wholeheartedly in this place. I'm preaching to some young men and some young ladies that you've seen prophets come and prophesy. And you've seen T.L. Smith lay their hands on people. And God opened up blinded eyes and you're just hungry. And you're ready for battle. Can I tell you, your moment's coming. Oh, I feel this so strong. Your anointing's coming. He was ready for battle. I promise you I'm going somewhere. I'm having fun. And the Bible says that the king summons David because David was wanting a battle. David said unto the Saul, the king, let no man's heart fail because of him. Let them, don't let them sissies be afraid. He said, thy servant will go and fight with the Philistines. He said, king, I'll go. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. How does that make sense? Goliath had been fighting his whole life. But so had David been fighting his whole life. He was saying, David, you can't be used. But listen to what David said. Listen to this little minuscule, insignificant shepherd boy. Listen to what he said. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, me. And there came a lion. And there came a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him. And I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. The servant, both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them. The king had no idea. This wasn't the first battle that this young man was about to get involved in. I'm preaching to some young people. There have been some battles that you fought behind the scenes. 
there have been some battles of some broken homes and some broken men. There's been some battles of pornography. There's been some battles of child molestation and being victimized at a young. There's been some lions and there have been some bears you've had to kill. But I'm here to tell you, don't you be afraid of the spirit of the world. You've got an anointing. You fought you some giants. You fought you some lions and some bears. But there's greater battles. There's greater anointing. And there's even greater power going to come. The Bible said, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Saul saith unto David, go, the Lord be with thee. Right after this, after all this, David and the king's been talking. They've been speaking. The Bible says that the king tried to put armor on David. And when he got it on, David... He, he took it off. And the Bible says he took it off because he had not proved it. He had never fought a battle on this iron. It wasn't made for him. David shook it off. But when he shook it off, it said David put them off. And it says this. Listen to how David dresses for battle. He took and he took his staff in his hand. And chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and kept them in a shepherd's bag, even in a script. And that script was a wallet that shepherds or beggars would carry. He was dressed to lead sheep. He had a staff in his hand and he had a bag around his neck. And I'm preaching to some young people today. You haven't proved the armor of this world, but you're going to battle ready to lead a generation. You're walking with the staff. That would represent the voice of God. And he would walk with this bag that would represent provision. And I'm speaking to a young generation. You've showed up on the battlefield. And you're ready to lead a generation that's been plagued by fear. And that's been plagued by the spirit of the Antichrist. David didn't show up with a sword. David didn't show up with a spear. But he did come in the anointing of ministry. That staff would be the voice of God. I'm preaching to some young people. You're knowing his voice. You've gotten a prayer closet. You've been in the prayer room. I'm preaching to some people right now. You may not have proved the armor of the world, but there's an anointing on you. God's ready to anoint some young men that are ready to lead this generation. God's ready to anoint some young women that are ready to lead this lost and dying world. Are you ready for revival like you've never seen? God's getting ready to anoint some young men that are ready to lead. Ah, uh, hallelujah. It said he goes to the brook. Listen. It said they pitched by the valley of Elah. I, I looked and I looked on the map. And I couldn't find a brook miles from Elah. I'm sure there is. But I couldn't find one. But the nearest brook, the nearest creek to where the Israelites settled... The Bible says they were at the valley of Elah. But the brook that David found the stones out of was in the brook of Elah. Where David found the stones that he would use to kill the giant was at the bottom of the valley. Can I tell you this morning or this evening tonight? What you need to defeat the enemy, it's in your valley. 
Well, you, uh, well, you need to cut that giant's head of pornography off in your life. It's in your I'm preaching to some people. You're in a low place. You're in a dying place. And you're in a place where you're fatigued. And you're battling all these spirits. Can I tell you? It's in your valley where you learn how to fight. It's in your valley where God's anointing pours on you. It's in the valley where you say, I'm going to be God's man. I'll be God's prophet. I'll be God's anointed. It's in that valley. Uh, can you look at your neighbor and say, I've noticed that valley you've been walking in. Can I tell you this morning, that's where your weapon is. Can I tell you, that's where your anointing is. That's where your power is. So if it feels like you're walking in a low place, it's because your artillery and your weapons for victory, it's in your valley. It's in your marriage problem. It's in your lost school. It's in your lost family. It's in that backslidden young one. I'm telling you, it's in the valley. Uh, it's in your valley. And it was, I was talking to my wife about this. Um, so I didn't give her honor. I've never honored her preaching out before. So I got to do this or she's going to beat me to death when we leave here. It's my beautiful wife. I give her honor. I was talking to my wife the other night. We were getting ready to lay down. And I was just talking about what I believe God wanted to do in this youth service. And God got on me. And I remember a thought that I had when I was a young boy. Some people preach that the stones, the five smooth stones that David found were J-E-S-U-S. I believe that those rocks represented the church. And that it would be prophetic that David would be in this place. Because over the church, you have these five functions. You have an apostle, prophet, Evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher. And literally, it makes the hand of God. That the offices of the New Testament, the church, it made the hand of God. So when David held that sling in his hand, and he started slinging it, oh, Goliath didn't even know, buddy. He didn't know that that hand, oh, it wasn't David's hand. He didn't know that wasn't the word. Oh, it was the hand of God. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what you've been fighting, maybe something's come in your household and it's plaguing the minds of your family and it's jacking with your marriage and it's making you go back to sins and addictions you haven't messed with for years, can I tell you? When you come to fight that giant, when you begin to lift those hands up in prayer, you lift the hand of God against the enemy. You lift the hand of God against the adversary. Can I tell you, when you begin to praise in that low place, it confuses the devil because it ain't your hand fighting. It's God's hand. Mm. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. with a generation that battles loneliness and isolation like we never said. David had to go to the valley alone. <sighs> he, oh God, I feel this so strong. A nation that literally, a young generation that we're in, literally that battles isolation and loneliness and depression, thoughts of suicide in the mind, it's a spirit. Your, your, your son ain't crazy. Your daughter ain't crazy. Can I tell you, young people? But there are some places in your life where God wants to take you that you have to walk alone. That's why you can walk in the school and walk alone. Be around people. Walk alone. 
because you're the only one filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's sometimes there's places in your life as a young, even a young man, 12 years, 10, 8 years old, places you're going to walk in your life and in your ministry that the only place you're going to find God, the only place you're going to find what you need to kill the enemy, it's going to be while you're alone. It's going to be while Pastor Woolbanks ain't there. It's going to be while Brother Cody Woolbanks ain't telling you, man, you can do this. Man, where were you last Sunday? Oh, no, it's not going to come from that. It's going to... Oh, it's going to come when you make the decision. I'm not going to let this lying devil cheat my mind. I'm not going to let him destroy my family. I'm going to be a David that will stand up and say, I'm willing to walk alone. Even if it means all them sissies are going to sit back there and be afraid. I'll be the young man. I'll be a David that will walk alone. I'll be a David. Uh, I might fail. I might, fa- I might make some mistakes. But pastor, I'm telling you, I'm going to be anointed to walk alone when pastor ain't there. When mama and daddy ain't there. I'm going to walk alone. Because it's when you're alone, you find God like you've never found him. It's while you're alone and while you're weary and while you're tired, scared to death of the battle. That's where your anointing's going to come from. David had to walk in valleys alone. That was why David could write, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear and know it for why. My daddy... David's daddy wasn't there, but thou art with me. David's brothers hated him, but thou art with me. Nobody believed in that runt. Nobody believed in that young man. Nobody believed in that young man from that dysfunctional family. David. Oh, nobody believed in him. Said he was just a red-headed runt. That's what the Bible said he was. A red-headed runt. God in mercy. Can I tell you, young man, oh, there's some places in God you'll have to walk alone. It's scary. I know it is. There's times your pastor ain't going to be able to hold your hand and comfort you and say, Buddy, I believe I see the growth you're making in your life. I see the progress you're making. There are going to be some times where you're walking alone, but it's there. Oh, where you tap into something you've never tapped into. This ain't a line fight. This ain't a bear. This is a giant. This is something oh, bigger than anything you've ever faced, but it's while you're alone. You tap into a power. You never would have tapped into if you wouldn't have got alone. God. But I'm going to tell you the, the plan of the devil. The Bible says that our adversary is like a roaring lion. Walking to and fro. Seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says that the enemy will try and push us in places of idleness. Oh, and loneliness. Because he's ready to devour us. But if we hand that isolation to God. Power's birthed out of it. Can I remind you of a John the Revelator. Who was exiled into Patmos. Exiled alone. I believe his mind. He, he started hallucinating I believe. By seeing the same thing every day in that wilderness. On that island all alone. But it was on that island. When nobody was there young man or young lady. It was on that island. Where God will pull back the veil and show him things he had never shown a man before. It was on that island when God would begin to unveil himself. And behold, it is I who stand at the door. Not that Jesus, Christ of the New Testament. I am he. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Can I tell somebody in this place it's an isolation 
where revelation is. But some of you in this place, you've asked God, oh, young people in this place, I've asked God, oh, I want that ministry. I want that anointing. You can have it. But you're going to have to walk in low places. You're going to have to deal with isolation. You're going to have to deal with these things. The Bible said that the Philistine, that David drew near to the Philistine with his staff, that shepherd boy, ready to lead those people into battle. The whole time, people not believe me could do it. What are you doing? He is going to kill you, David. And the Philistine came and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about, when the world looked about, when the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, it said, looked about, he saw David and disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou come with me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. He was saying, David, I'm going to eat you alive, son. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear. You come at me with carnal weapons, with the shield. But I, oh, what I found, I found in a valley. Oh, Goliath, you come at me with a carnal weapon. You come to me with fear. You come to me with anxiety and fear, depression and drugs and alcohol. But the weapon I have... I found in my valley. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. And when David began to say that, the hand of God would begin to swing that sling. And when the stone was released, that spirit of the Antichrist was silent. I want to tell you, you want to know how to scare the devil to death when you stand flat-footed and say, Devil, I've walked through a valley. I've been talking to the Lord. I've been fasting. I've been showing up to prayer meeting. And I'm ready to take you down, baby. I'm ready to break this curse of alcohol. I'm ready to break this curse of drugs. I'm ready to break this curse and walk as a man of God I've been called to be he said I've been walking through a valley and that valley taught me it taught me how to fight hallelujah hallelujah the Bible said that when David killed him he grabbed his sword and cut his head off I want to tell you even David had an understanding of what happened when the head is detached from the body. And I feel to share this. Because in the body is all the controls. It's in the head. In your mind. You can think thoughts. You can imagine. You can make yourself get up. You can make yourself sit down. And when you disconnect the head from the body, you have all the strength in the body, but you have no power to do it with and I'm going to tell you it's the same way. And I want to charge some of these young people. That's why you don't go to a charismatic church. Because there's some, they have bodies. There are people gathered together. I, don't you listen to that sucker on YouTube. Or Stephen Ferdy. I'm sorry. I'm telling you. It's going to sound so mean to some people. I believe even false prophets can say some good things. But there's, some, there, there's a spirit in this generation that young people are battling. And it's the voice of the denominal world. And I'm not here to be all, but it's true. I'm telling you right now, don't you let anything veer you from truth. Because it's the head. in the New Testament, the Bible said that, that Christ is the head. And we are the body of Christ. I'm here to tell you right now, 
don't you ever walk away from this truth because when you cut the head off your life you have no power when you cut the man of God out of your life and when you cut the truth out of your life you've got no power you may be gathered together but you ain't got any power and I'm here to talk to somebody. The world's been, there's a denominal spirit that's come and tried to tempt some of you to walk away from truth. Can I tell you, there's no power there. There's no miracles there. There's no salvation there. And that's why David cut the head off the body. Because if I cut his head off, he might try and get back up. But if I cut his head off, he's got no power. And it's the same way with the root. And I felt this just a few moments ago. Young men, when we don't cut the root of a problem out of our life, we, we might cut the surface off. We, we may cut the, uh, uh, the symptoms and the habits off. But if you don't cut the root off, you'll never get addiction. I can't talk to some young lady. There's some things in our life right now. Uh, and I'm just trying to flow with the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to a generation right now. Now, you've been anointed to lead. You've been called to walk in an anointing like no other generation before you has. I'm telling you right now. But if you do not remove the root, the head, that's what that represents. When you plant a seed in your life, when there's addiction or where there's habitual sin or where there's, I'm not trying to sound like a counselor, but I feel this in the Holy Ghost. When you bring that head out, when you bring that root out by accountability, it's exposed and you can deal with that. That's how you cut the head off Goliath in your life. I mean, there's some young men in this place right now. I would have hated me when I was you. You'll thank me later. There's some young men in this building right now. In this place. You're scared to death. If you told your pastor or this man right here what you're dealing with. That they kick you to the curb and never use you again. And some young women the same. Can I tell you right now that's the devil. Because the devil is so scared to death. You're going to bring that root to light. And he's scared to death you're going to bring that Goliath head to light. And your pastor is going to grab this book and start cutting some heads off. Can I tell you, that's a lie of the devil. You've got a shepherd with a shepherd's heart. My God, can't, do I have a young man that will preach me right now? Man, say, Pastor, when you're preaching against pornography, I'm going to back you. When you're preaching about premarital sex, I'm going to back you. Uh -huh. Oh, when pastor gets to talking about makeup and jewelry, I'm back. I might not agree with him, but I'm gonna back him. My God in mercy, the devil's scared to death of a generation that's gonna say, "God, I'm gonna let go of this pride. Cut the head off my giant. Cut the head off my addiction. Cut the head off my pervert." When you do, there's gonna be anointing that's gonna fall on you like you've never walked in. Oh, I'm preaching to a generation right now in this place. I'm tired of saying we're on the precipice of revival. We're not. We are literally walking in the beginning. I'm tired of saying it's coming. I've let that die. Young people, revival is not coming. We're walking in it. And, and as the seasons and the years go by, some of you say, well, my daddy said that my granddaddy preached about God coming back. And, my, and his daddy said that God was coming back soon. I'm telling you right now, in this hour, in this season of your life, you're going to fight giants. You're going to fight devils that our elders didn't fight. And you're going to feel the urgency of the hour. And I don't know how I'm getting on this right now. But I'm here to tell you there's a burden that God is calling this generation to walk into. And the devil's so scared that you're going to let this book 
bring light to what you're dealing with, can I tell you? Your pastor wants to help you. That's what the devil don't tell you. He does want to help Yeah, he might be rough. You wouldn't realize how loving he is if we just be a little more honest. I've known this man my whole life. And I've heard him get down. And he does get down. You know that though. But I'm being serious. You're like, man, that he just quenched spirit. No, I didn't. I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost still in this place. And some of you got doubt in your mind right now. But the devil is so scared we're going to be walking in a spirit of accountability. I wonder right now, can we all stand? I got just a few more things I'm going to say and I'm going to shut up and I'm going to get down. And I'm going to leave. And I'm going to pray with everybody else. David had to walk in lonely places and low places. David found his victory in a low place. David was a man who battled insignificancy and a feeling of inadequacy. David was a man who knew what it felt like to just kind of be thrown on the backside of a pasture. There's another man I know in the Bible named Gideon. And this man Gideon, the Lord speaks to him. He's hiding in fear. Again, that fear, that spirit of fear. And it said Gideon, the Bible said that Gideon was threshing wheat. And it said that the Lord came to him. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and called him a mighty man of valor. Many of us are dealing with things we feel less than. But heaven recognizes you as mighty. The Bible says that Gideon realized eventually that this was an angel and he thought he was going to die and the Lord speaks to him. And then the Lord speaks to him that he was going to lead the people of his time into victory. And when God speaks that to Gideon, Gideon kind of gets a little uh, smart aleck. He kind of had that Josh and Jacob Bateman anointing come out of him. God, why are you doing this? What do you mean you're going to deliver us out of the hands of the Midians? And you say this, why is this befalling on us? The Bible said that Israel was there because of sin in their life. And young men, we're living in a generation of young ladies we're walking in a generation that is full of sin. And we get frustrated. God, why, why is it us? Why is it this generation that has to deal with this junk? You know why. It's obvious. It's apparent. But the Lord begins to speak to Gideon. He says, <clears throat> I've called you to lead my people out by mine in your hand. And when they went into battle, <clears throat> the people, when they would blow the trumpet, they would blow the trumpet and they would say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Gideon would be a mighty man who would take several thousand people less than what the adversary had and would go and mess up the devil's world. But there was something that Gideon said that I knew I had to say in this place before I sat down. Gideon said, I am the least... Of my father's house. 
every time in the scripture I found that God called a prophet or a mighty man in the altar, every time I found it, they always ask, why? Jeremiah said, I'm a child, or an excuse, why? God, I'm a child. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm insignificant. All these men would have excuses for why. Why? I can't. I can't. Brother Jody Wilbanks, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's an anointing of insignificancy on you. I don't know where. And I know this man is a man of God. And the devil likes to fight our mind and tell us we're insignificant and we're inadequate. And we're not called to walk in that anointing. Can I tell you? This man knows how to walk with God because he's walked in those valleys. So your opinion don't mean junk. Brother Jody, I wanted to tell you, you don't realize the realm of glory you're going to walk in. Will you receive a young man? There's no anointing on your life that you are unaware of. And every time the adversary is battling your mind with insignificancy, God's calling you a mighty man. And somebody might say, who is that young man to get up there and say that? I know I'm young. I know I stand before great men. I'm nothing. But I've walked in my valleys. Can we all just come to the front for just a moment? I want to pray right now for these young people. Young man, I want you to lay hands on another young man. Young ladies, lay your hands on another young lady. If it's appropriate and I'm in order, I want Pastor Wilbanks. Brother Cody Woolbanks to go lay their hands on the men and all the youth workers in the women's ministry. Sister Woolbanks. I want the ladies to go lay their hands on them. And I want to pray a covering on their mind. And I want to pray for a spirit of counsel and accountability and honesty. These are the services that are uncomfortable sometimes. But I promise you something. When you bring things to light that you deal with or you struggle with, you come to the realization, the devil was lying to me. My pastor wasn't going to kick me out. My, the pastor wasn't going to tell me to hit the road. In the name of Jesus right now, I pray for every young lady right now that there would be, a Lord, your spirit of counsel. And I pray for every young man, every young lady, that, that they by themselves would set up a time to come and be accountable to their man of God and their woman of God in their life. God, and I pray right now, God, that we bring these giants to light. Because there's a generation that's getting ready to lead. Oh, the people of God in the battle. There's a generation of young ladies that are getting ready to walk in an anointing. In the name of Jesus right now. 
God, I pray, Lord, Lord, that you would speak to these young people, God, in a way you've never spoke to them before. Oh, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that they'd have an understanding now. Oh, I'm in this low place because God's getting ready to do something great. God's ready to let me walk in that kind of anointing. Oh, I pray for these young women. Oh, God's just trying to teach me his voice a little better. God's getting ready to take me to another level. Oh, hallelujah. If you need a miracle, these young people are going to pray. They're going to keep praying. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to stand, walk and stand right here in front of this pulpit. I want to tell you what I feel. I might sound ignorant. I believe there's somebody in this place right now. Your feet. You're eat up with arthritis. But in your feet. There's a burning sensation in your feet right now. On your left foot and your right foot. And there's joint pain. You can barely come up. But we're going to pray for this brother right here. I also see somebody that that is struggling with COPD and your lungs look like raisins and they're dried up. If you come up, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to heal you right now. I want to call out schizophrenia. I believe there's somebody in here battling with schizophrenia. If you'll come up, God will deliver you. We come against every spirit of doubt that would come in this place before we try and lay our hands in the name of Jesus right now God according to your word and the power that's in the name of Jesus we bind that spirit of doubt God I pray Lord we loose a gift of faith to be in operation in this place right now God we loose the working of miracles healing signs and wonders in the name of Jesus We're finna walk down and we're finna pray for some people. But I feel that there's somebody in this place you're not feeling a thing. But I want you to praise him out of raw faith. I want somebody to begin to let a dance come out of there. I'm not trying to shout you to death. But there's something powerful that happens when we begin to dance before the Lord. Come on, can somebody just open up their mouth and shout? Can somebody just open up their mouth and begin to dance right now? And grab your brother, grab your sister by the hand. And just begin to dance and jump. Because when you do, there's going to be some faith released. I'm telling you right now, I'd be doing it in the name of Jesus. Jesus right now. Let faith be built in Jesus' name. In Je- I'm not going to lay this mic down to it. Loose it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We tear down this wall. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We pray today that this word has blessed you Minister to the needs of your life. Until next time, God bless you.